Jude, verse number 11, is where we will begin. Keep your Bibles open uh, for a little ways through the message for the book, uh, to the book of Jude, and then in a little while we'll go to the book of Genesis. The Bible says in verse number 11, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. I don't want folks to go the way of Cain. I'm not trying to get an amen by preaching against the attitude of the way of Cain. I want you to amen the sermon, but my purpose is not to stir your emotion in that behavior. But we ought to have a believing heart. I'm going to preach tonight on the subject, the way of Cain. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word. I hunger to please you, and I hunger to influence my generation with the truths of the Word of God. I would like to do it in a way that would be pleasing to you, our sweet Holy Spirit. I pray that you would empower me. I pray that you would direct my attitude, my thoughts, my words, and my preaching tonight. I pray that you would bring a Holy Ghost conviction from the Word of God tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The contents of Jude and the position or place that it is in in the New Testament canon reinforce the idea that it is a preface to the apocalypse as recorded in Revelation. It is the foyer. It is the vestibule to the judgments of God. As Jude pens this short letter, he stands on what he believes to be the brink of end time judgment, the role of distant thunder and a, an approaching storm sounds in his ears. A storm of an awesome magnitude is on the way. He knows that he will be gone before the storm breaks. But just the approach of the great storm of judgment fills his mind and heart with awe. All about him are signs of the end time. And Jude points to one final sign, and that being the sign of apostasy. Apostasy is a rejection of truth by those who know what truth is. It seemed to Jude that the end time apostasy of the church age had come. Repeatedly in the history of the church there have been times of decline. John, the beloved, writes his three letters just a page before reminding us of the decline of Christianity just a generation past the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repeatedly in the history of the church, there have been times of decline. In the past, the Holy Ghost had always sent revival. History has a way of repeating itself as does a prophecy. One rule in interpreting prophecy is that events that are seen and events that are foretold by the prophet 
have a double fulfillment. First, they have a near, initial, and partial fulfillment related to the times in which the prophet lived. Isaiah saw prophecies fulfilled in his day, and yet he said they were just a picture of things to come. Second, there is a later, complete, and final fulfillment at a future time. Jude was alarmed. He was alarmed at the scope of the apostasy. He was alarmed at the seriousness of the apostasy. And he was alarmed sadly at the success, the growing approval of the apostasy of his day. He writes, no doubt, desiring to stop some of the leaks in this dam of iniquity. The church weathered that storm. No doubt persecution that came in his day and thereafter helped to purge the church and helped to preserve it for another time. And yet we see another wave now, today. In 2021, like has not been seen before, of this apostasy. What is apostasy? Apostasy is a rejection of truth by those who know what truth is. We've never lived in such a day of deception and hypocrisy that we see and live in today. This could be the last day, the last act, the last behavior of apostasy before the return of Christ. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if Christ returned at the time we celebrated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus in the coming week? Time and again over the course of church history, old lies clothed themselves in new apparel. And when they did, God's people turned to this little letter, this little epistle of Jude. All of apostasy is summarized in a few verses in the book of Jude. I don't have time to read every verse, but if you read verse number 5, you'll find a subtle imitation of religion. Paul told Timothy about it. He said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And he said in that passage of Scripture uh, that they will have the behavior of godliness but deny the power thereof. A subtle imitation. A satanic invasion is found in verse number 6. Look at it. And the angel which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. There has never been a move of satanic behavior like is going on today. I'm surprised at the amount of communication that I receive from statements in sermons and on social media by those who worship the devil. Even yesterday, spewing hatred toward this preacher of the Word of God. We see it not only in behavior of mankind, 
we understand the spiritual warfare that is very real that you and I face each day that we try to live to please the Lord Jesus. In verse number 7, there's a sexual perversion. He uses the illustration of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where we are today. Have you ever thought or wondered why if a person was going to deny the statements and truth of gender, why they would even care about marriage? Why not just live together? Why try to destroy? That's the work of Satan to pervert that which is true and right. Verses 8, 9, and 10, this apostasy is expressed in a social upheaval. That's not hard to find in the news and around us every day. Such wicked behavior portrayed on the screens and yet a criticism of those that they think may have a thought of hatred toward any group of people. The media always picking fights between groups of people. Apostasy is given in the sermon for tonight from verse number 11. A spiritual distortion. Cain worshipped God. Cain gave God an offering as we'll see from Genesis chapter 4. He had spiritual behavior that was not accepted of God. I'm hearing today we need to accept all faiths. Faith has no value. The object of faith is what gives faith any value. Faith is a zero unless there's someone before it. If your faith is placed in error, your faith should not be celebrated because everybody has faith in something. There is Semitic persecution in verse number 11 ran greedily after the error of Balaam. There's self-expression at the end of verse number 11 where the Bible talks about perished in the gainsaying of Korah. They liked him because he spoke against Moses. Korah had a following just because he criticized the man of God. Social media is filled with those who have followings because they hate truth. They're willing to speak against it. Last days, apostasy. Verses 12 and 13, we find a strong delusion. Folks today do not know what to believe. And many will not read the word of God and have barely read the cover, Holy Bible. And wonder why after watching three, four, and five hours of the news why they feel like they have no faith and no security and no stability. Security does not come. Stability does not come from knowing all of the things going on in the world. Security and stability comes from a knowledge of the Word of God and knowing that God is in control. Secular humanism is found in verses 14 and 15. We live in secular humanism today. Subversive criticism is found in verse number 16. I could talk about all of these and I may at a later time. When I look back at Genesis chapter 4, if you'll join me there, 
And I read of a man by the name of Cain, the first of the sons of Adam and Eve. I read of his religious ways of rejection of truth and self-expression of religion. And I see that magnified in our day over and over and over. Now, now, let me give a bit of a disclaimer here. If you grew up like I did in a Christian home and went to a Christian school, you better be mighty careful that your ears do not become waxen to the truth. You hear it again and again to the place you don't hear it at all. It's like moving into a house where there is a train track not far away and the first two or three weeks you hear that train as it travels down the track but after a few weeks you get used to the noise and if somebody mentions how loud the train is you have even forgot that there's a train that goes by your house. If you're not careful, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I, like you, grew up in church, in a Christian home, in Christian schools, and you better be careful because you can travel the way of Cain thinking you're okay because of learned religious expressions. Today, folks are praised for their opinion rather than one who is a proclaimer of truth especially if a person's opinion goes against a, a, a traditional truth. That person is held as someone uh, that is a, a hero for standing for what they believe. You're not a hero for what you believe. Dear friend, if you believe in anything but the truths of the word of God, you've been deceived to believe a lie. As I read social media and I have to be careful about it because I see men attack what I refer to affectionately as old time religion. When I say that I'm just talking about preaching salvation by grace through faith. I'm just talking about living a life where I'm in love with Jesus so much that the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Uh, you can brag about all the things you're against, but let me hear you praise the one that you're in love with. And if you get in love with him, it won't matter what all those things are because they hold no value to those that have a relationship and a fellowship with the Savior. I see this apostasy and behavior in churches and the, uh, the, the changes they have made. Can we not see? Are we so foolish that we can be deceived to think that the preacher, the founding preacher of a church in 1900 or 1940 or 1960, the very things that they preached against from the word of God are used as instruments as they say, to praise God. You understand that rock and roll music was a rebellion against authority of all kinds. You can't use something wicked and vile to praise God. It's not the purpose of my sermon, but I'm saying there are those like Cain, they're going through religious practices, but dear friend, they have missed the mark and they're not accepted of the God of heaven. The way of Cain, I would remind you, Adam had sinned. He attempted to cover his nakedness 
Shame came when he recognized his sin and he attempted to cover it by sewing fig leaves together. We see the first act, a picture of salvation when an innocent lamb was slain, its blood was spilled, and the coat of that lamb was used as a covering for Adam and for Eve. He covered their nakedness. God help us today to flaunt nakedness. Look at me now. It's not time to pray. We're not supposed to flaunt nakedness. In the Garden of Eden, they were ashamed. They attempted to solve, uh, to cover themselves up. And God said, that's not good enough. I want the, to be an innocent lamb uh, slain because you've sinned. And that, uh, that covering was given for them. Cain and Abel were born... To Adam and Eve, they knew what and how to make proper sacrifice to please God. I said they knew how to make sacrifice to please God. And yet Cain offered what he wanted to give to God rather than what God had required. His offering was rejected by the Lord. And as a response, he was angry. Have you noticed? That's the attitude of our day. Anger. Anger. He was wroth as a response. He's mad at God. How many folks do we hear today cursing God? Why did you let that happen? Why did you do this? Why do you give all these rules? Not understanding he's the one that gave us life. And when sin has separated us from God, he gave his son to die on the cross of Calvary to pay our sin and redeem us back to him. God is the hero. God is the savior. God is the king of kings. He's the one to be worshiped. Not to be angry at. But Cain was wroth because his offering was rejected. The way of Cain is, I'll do it my way. My way is a way of apostasy. God's way is right. We live in a day where a growing number of people are angry at the ways of God and angry that God has rejected their ways as Proverbs 16, 25, the Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I see it in those that are embracing damnable heresies in the church. Teaching folks of works for salvation. I see it in the rejection of holy living. Holy living. A rejection of standards of modesty and decency and even going beyond that, not even respecting those that do have a desire to please God in decency and modesty. I see it in the lack of leadership in the pulpit. I see it in the lack of leadership in homes. It is a people who decide to live not by faith, but they walk after the flesh and they're angry at God because God does not accept their way. He said, that's the way of Cain. May I say tonight, joy and gladness are the ways of God's people. 
serving God with joy and gladness, living life with joy and gladness, being able to sing even in, even in sorrow, being able to praise God even in the valley of death, being able to rejoice in His goodness, knowing that the trial of our uh, of, uh, afflictions and trials, uh, uh, they are not to hurt us, but they are to take away the dross that we can become a vessel of finer and fit for the Master's use. The three things that characterize Cain and the way of Cain. First of all, he's characterized by an unbelieving heart. I want you to really pay attention to this part of the message, an unbelieving heart. It wasn't a matter of just the right sacrifice. It was a matter of the right heart. Obedience comes out of a right heart. A right heart does not come from the obedience. Obedience produces, a right heart produces the right obedience. The chapter begins with a picture of hope. After Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were cast out of that beautiful garden and God placed an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance of Eden to prevent Adam and Eve from reentering the garden and eating of the tree of life. Adam and Eve were driven out of the Garden of Eden and they were forced to seek out a life living by working from the ground and the ground that was now cursed. It not only would bring forth the fruit and the vegetables, it brought forth thorns without them planting them. And they were always growing, the weeds and the thorns always growing. And it was difficult, their work was hard. Their life was now a life of pain and sorrow toil and eventually death and it seemed that all hope was gone then the Bible says in Genesis 4 1 and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said I have gotten a man from the Lord and she again bare his brother Abel I don't know if they were twins it seems that they could be it doesn't matter and Abel was a keeper of the sheep but Cain was a tiller of the ground she saw hope in a time of tragedy, in a time of death. In the face of certain death, there was the wonder of a new life, the hope of a new beginning, the promise of a better tomorrow. And Eve, like her millions of daughters to follow, must have been excited about the baby growing in her womb, knowing that she would not die and life would end, but she would give birth to a baby boy. And she named him Cain, and the name means I have gotten Eve gives God the glory for her new baby. She says, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she saw this birth as a time of divine blessing in her life and in her family. Then came another son and his name was Abel. His name means breath or vapor or perishable prophetic it seems as his life was taken short and the sadness of Adam and Eve over their sin and over the broken fellowship with the Lord is made somewhat less by the birth of their two boys those boys brought hope into a world that must have seemed so hopeless and these two boys grew up together in the same home the same parents the same instructions the same things the same experiences when it came time to choose their work, they both chose honorable vocations. Both of them chose honorable vocations. Cain followed in his father's footsteps. He became a farmer and took care of animals. Abel became, I'm sorry, he took care of the ground. Abel became a shepherd. 
Adam had taken care of the field or the garden of Eden, Cain followed what his father did. Cain had an honorable living. Abel became a shepherd. Both vocations were important and they helped to sustain the family. At some point, as they reached the age of understanding, these young men came before the Lord to worship him. No doubt they'd been taught by their parents, Adam and Eve. Look at verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, while Abel brought of that little lamb and the first of his flock and of the fat thereof and God approved Abel's offering while he rejected Cain's. Don't miss this statement. Please hear what I'm about to say. The reason God rejected Cain's offering was not just because it was a fruit offering and not an animal sacrifice. Cain was rejected because he had an unbelieving heart in what God had said to do. Did you hear what I said? Cain was not rejected just because he'd offered a fruit offering. Do you know they were instructed to give of their first fruits? Their first fruits were accepted of God. And you read through the Jewish economy and you'll find that they brought of their first fruits and their increase to make an offering to God. Now don't misunderstand me. A blood sacrifice was required, but the blood sacrifice on Calvary was given for all men. But all men are not saved. The only men that are saved are those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say, it's more than a prayer of salvation. It's more than the words that you would say. It's more than kneeling at an altar. May I say, let's not go the way of Cain and go through motions and activity and always be mad at God because we're not acceptable in His sight. It's not the behavior that God rejects. It's the unbelieving heart that God rejects. You know, the only thing that's going to keep men from going to heaven is unbelief. Do you know there will be murderers in heaven? But because they believed on Jesus Christ, Saul of Tarsus became Paul the Apostle, and he is in heaven today, not because he was not a murderer, but because he believed. You know, there are folks in hell that have made great offerings to God. They have made great sacrifice. And Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that if a man gave all he had and if a man gave his very life, oh, but he doesn't have love, it is of no value. And throughout the scripture, we find even where the Bible said, many will say to me in that day, have we not prophesied? Didn't we preach? You say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you the way you know Christ is a believing heart. Cain was rejected. The way of Cain is religious, but it is without faith. And may I make sure that I say, it was not just the sacrifice 
though God did require a blood sacrifice. You say, what if Cain believed and then offered the fruit sacrifice? If Cain believed, he would offer what God asked for. By the way, don't fill your mind with these books of hypotheticals of what itch, of what if. I just soon watch CNN if I wanted to know what if. Then follow that up with an hour of Fox News and we'll have wasted two hours. There's no what ifs. If he'd believed, he would have obeyed. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. From Genesis through Revelation, God's way of forgiveness has remained the same. It took the blood of an innocent sacrifice to cleanse the sinner from his sins, but it took more than the sacrifice. It took faith in God. That was a picture. Uh, that was a picture. It took faith in God, and faith in God wrought the same, or the, uh, the faith in God wrought the right sacrifice. There's a warning here that we need to heed. God will not accept our religion. He'll not accept our works. He'll not accept anything we can do to attempt to save ourselves. And may I say tonight, don't run with that crowd that's angry and mad at everything and everybody. Somewhere along the way, there is a behavior of Cain. Folks that are in the will of God are a happy people. Folks that are in the will of God have a joy, they have a peace, they have a satisfaction. An unbelieving heart. Second of all, the way of Cain, he had an unrepentant heart. Look at verse number five. The last part of the verse in Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is that countenance fallen? By the way, if doing what you want to do makes you happy, why is the world not happy? If not letting anybody tell me what to do makes you happy, why is the world so angry? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over as soon as Cain realized that his offering had been rejected. Now, wait a minute. When he offered it, he was happy with himself. Did you hear me? But when God rejected it, his countenance fell. Listen to me now. Those of you that are in Christian home, growing up in Christian education, your mom and your dad give you a proper and a Christian education. Oh, listen to me now. You be careful that you not go the way of Cain and have an unbelieving heart or having an unrepentant heart. Solomon said the fool doesn't want instruction and the fool doesn't want correction. But the wise man says, teach me. And the wise man says, correct me. I want to do right. God knew what was in Cain's heart. God speaks to Cain. He said, why are you mad? The word wrath means to burn with hot anger or jealousy. God tells Cain in verse 7 that if he did what was right, he would be accepted. God's telling Cain to get his heart right. And if his heart was right, he would offer the right sacrifice. God wants Cain to repent of his attitude. He wants Cain to repent of his unbelief toward God. 
I contend that the attitude of anger and contempt taking place today is nothing but an attitude of anger at God because God does not accept the sinful lifestyles of this day. You can pass any law you want to pass in Frankfurt. You can pass any law you want to pass in Washington, D.C. It will not make you happy. The world can tell you it's right. But according to this whole book right here, sin is condemned. And the only way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. There was an unforgiving heart. There was an unrepentant heart. And then thirdly, we find that it was an ungodly heart. Look at verse number 8. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. These verses demonstrate the outcome of sin. In Cain's case, the condition of the heart determined the behavior of his life. Verse number 8 tells us that Cain murdered his brother. He was jealous. Now hear me. Abel had something Cain did not have. Abel had a faith and a relationship with God. And unbelievers always demonstrate animosity and anger toward people of faith. Did you hear me? Unbelievers always demonstrate animosity and anger toward people of faith. They're not mad at you, but they're mad at God. They can't get to God. I believe Cain was mad at God and the closest thing he could get to God was Abel, his brother. God's rejection of his offering, he was mad at God and he wanted to kill his brother. He did kill his brother. It manifests itself in hatred of Abel. It's interesting in verse number 9, God goes to Cain and he says, Where is Abel? Now, he had just asked Adam and Eve a few years before when they had sinned. He came into the garden where he came every day. He came for fellowship as he always did, but sin had separated them from God. And he came into the garden, and rather than just going to where they were, he knew where they were, but he said out loud, Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? And here God asked the question, Cain, Where's your brother? Where is Abel? Cain answered the Lord with a lie. We see it today. We see it happening today, story after story. First of all, there's anger, and then there's wrong, and then there's a lie. He said, Lord, I don't know where he is. He knew exactly where he was. He'd murdered his brother. He'd hidden his brother. He knew where his brother was. He lied. It's another indication of apostasy that sin has taken control of his heart and life. And listen to me, you'll never get to the place of an ungodly heart if you first get rid of an unbelieving heart and decide that you're going to believe God and believe his word. If you'll have a believing heart, you'll have a repentant heart and a godly heart. But with an unbelieving heart, you'll have an unrepentant heart and attitude and an ungodly heart filled with anger and willing to lie to cover up the wrong. 
It's another indication of apostasy. And then he answers the Lord with pure sarcasm. Here's what he said. Am I my brother's keeper? It seems to be a play on words. Look at verse number 2. She again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. Hey Cain, where's your brother? I don't know. Am I that little lamb's keeper or something? I want to tell you something. I'd be ashamed and worse, I'd be afraid to take part in what's going on in our world to be a lying smart aleck against the men of truth. Now, I'm not going to get into a spitting contest with the skunks on social media, but I'm going to tell you something. There are folks right here in this room, and I've seen young preacher boys destroyed in the last year because you let that attitude of Cain on social media get in your heart and mind, and it seemed funny to take part in the attacks on the men of God, and they sound just like Cain. I don't know where Abel is. What, am I supposed to take care of that little lamb or something? Am I his keeper? That keeper of the sheep, am I supposed to take care of Abel? The anger and hatred of sarcasm, look at me and I'm finished, is a last day sign of apostasy in our world. Be careful not to let this news, media, all they do is attack and devour one another. All they do is attack and devour one another. They look for ways to attack this side. This side turns around and attacks that side. And then you get mad at somebody that's not conservative enough or not liberal enough. Could we set that aside for a little while and deal with something that's not a make-believe world and just deal with something that's right and true? Can we not just go out of here and tell somebody about Jesus this week? Can we not go out of here and live our lives attempting to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father and get out of that cesspool of sarcasm and criticism and gossip and all of that behavior of Cain? He said, beware. In these last days, the apostasy is going to come. They act just like Cain. Three things and I'm finished. 30 seconds. Believe the book. It's God's word. All of us are but sinners. The best of men are still just men. Keep your tongue in your mouth unless you're speaking truth that is good and right and fits that filter of the mind in, in Philippians chapter 4 in verse number 8. Believe the book in God's word. Second of all, keep a tender heart toward God. When God corrects us, I said when, not if, God corrects us. The Bible said he chastens every son whom he receiveth from the pulpit to the nursery. Don't have an unrepentant heart. Look to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I want to have a right spirit. God, I don't want to live, I don't want to live wrong. I don't want to hurt my brother. I don't want to hurt my sister. I want to do what's right. I want to advance the kingdom of God, not the way of Cain. 
Stay away from the ungodly. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. The ungodly are not sober, but like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Oh, listen to me tonight. It's not be, let's not be sidetracked by the way of Cain. This last day apostasy, it's going on everywhere. Stay faithful and true to the word of God. Stand with me if you will.